Welcome to A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends. We're so glad that you're joining us today, and we're going to jump in to a transforming leadership call that Doug hosts with our very special guest, Jay Meeks. He is the Executive Vice President of Sales and Marketing at Insperity, and Doug's going to share a little more of his bio. You can also find that bio on today's episode notes, located at charismapodcastnetwork.com forward slash show forward slash a word in season. I want to encourage you while you're there, hit the subscribe button to a word in season and never miss an episode. These are launched every Monday at 9 a.m., but are also on all podcast platforms for your convenience to be able to listen to at any time. You can download them and listen to even when you're offline. So be sure to subscribe to a word in season. Just first of all, thank Jay Minx, a longtime friend for being with us today. He is the Senior Vice President of Sales and Marketing at Insperity, and Jay was elected to his current position early 1999, and as a result of his leadership, Insperity has experienced tremendous growth with company revenues increasing dramatically from $50 million to over $4 billion in 2020. In 1993, Mr. Minx led the opening of the first office outside of Houston and has since grown the number of to 80 offices in 30 major markets throughout the United States. In addition, Jay serves as chairman of the Greater Houston Gulf Charities, vice president of the board of directors for Somebody Cares America and Somebody Cares International, that's us. And, uh, and he's also a, a board member for the Wheelchair for Warriors, an executive board member of Greater Houston Partnership. He holds a business degree from the University of Houston and currently lives in Kingwood, Texas with his wife, of 45 years. Wow, you and Sally have been married 45 years. You know, I was thinking, Doug, you and I weathered pretty good over these years, haven't we? Absolutely. We look great, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jay, you know, I was reading, is going over your bio, of course, I've known you all these years. and Right. Uh, but I was thinking about some of the core values that have guaranteed success, not just in your personal life, your marriage, your family, but also uh, the community, the involvement you have throughout the greater Houston area and all across the nation and in other countries. In fact, uh, we're both connected to our chapter of Somebody Cares, Aberdeen, Scotland, where you go as well. But I I just was thinking about how you and the core leadership at Insperity with Paul and and Steve, and you, you get together and actually fast and pray together from time to time to seek the Lord for direction. So I want to right. start with that because we can talk about all the successes. Of course, the bio, your bio has already explained much of this, but I want to talk mm-hmm. about first, what was the core fundamentals that have guaranteed your success, even through the great uh, you know, downturns in the economy, difficulties, what has brought, what has kept you through all these uh, detours, challenges in life that have helped you to maintain your focus and your vision? Well, it's maybe this can be sound oversimplification, but it's our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That's that's what allowed us to, to continue. Because as a small business, you know, back in 1990, I, you know, I inherited six salespeople, and we were we were you know we were a small business, and and uh, you know the state of Texas tried to put us out of business. We had a little period of time we had to sue the state to stay in business. We had insurance companies that uh, just booked their contracts and left us in the lurch, and Without our faith, I'm telling you, uh, we wouldn't have made it because it was just that kind of overcoming faith is what's required. And I believe it's required. You know, you think about things in your own life, it's personal, right? And But I've tried to emphasize to people that things that happen 
aren't necessarily personal. It's just how you respond to those things that happen. And if you if you understand that it's that it's just part of life, and it's an opportunity for Jesus to come through and demonstrate His faithfulness. You know, that's that's what's that's what's exciting. That's really the key to me. Well, Jay, on that point, as we segue more into the, even how you gather together and seek the Lord together, when you say you don't take it personal, so that that's like what we call taking the high road. So how do you do that when you know people have have tried to destroy you or the company or try to control or take over your company when we've gone through that too. Yeah. Well, exactly. So how, yeah. how do you take the high road? How do you how do you you know that's not a pleasant experience? And the people come in, they have their script. Their script is to intimidate, um, you know, accuse things, you know, things that didn't happen. It's just a pure intimidation game, right? And I told my compadres, I said, you know what? If they knew us, they'd like us. They just don't know us, you know? So our whole goal was to take the high road, as you said, and and really uh, understand that people's motives many times are driven out of their insecurities. And most of the time, frankly, we act out our insecurities. And so you try, you have to avoid the, uh, the temptation to get self-focused. And then you respond. It, these folks want you to respond in anger. They want you to get mad. They want you to get amped up. So then they can get more and more power over you. And if you don't do that, they can't take that power from you. But it was an interesting time. And to see the Lord prevail through it, it actually, we, actually, we came through it not smelling a smoke. And that's not the only time we went through times. I reminded of back in 2002, our, our main health carrier uh, for at that time, only 50,000 employees, you know, decide they're going through a difficult time. They, they made an acquisition. It wasn't good. And so we had a contract with them that they broke. They basically told us to pound sand. We don't care for breaking the contract. And they said things like this, Doug. We said, well, look, if you if you do what you're saying you're going to do, You'll put 50,000 people without health insurance. Here's what they said. Oh, we wouldn't be doing that. You'd be doing that because you're not paying our terms. So we had a, that was another blow up time. We ended up, only time we'd actually gone to court, we felt like our integrity was so impugned that we had to sue them. And uh, it turned into federal court. It was a, a big, big deal, as you can imagine. And 28, and they countersue. What they do when they countersue, they sue you for what they did. Because it's easier to do it that way. That's what our attorneys are talking about. Oh, they they sue you for what you guys did, and so they accused us of what they did. And uh, so we're in federal court, twenty eight counts. Until now, we're defending ourselves, right? So 28, 28 counts go down. And I can tell you, my wife and I are praying in the in the courtroom, and and uh, our CEO Paul was actually on the whip, actually on the front panel there. And uh, when you when you are praying and you hear the jury go you know, not guilty 28 times, that's a good day. That's and good uh, day. if uh, just one of those would have been guilty, it would have wiped, it wiped us out as far as management, you know. But that was, that was you know, really to see the Lord. And even through a, you know, I had the opportunity, the Lord gives me kind of a, a vision of things. And I really saw when this is going down, I saw that, you know, I saw this monster coming out of our building and, you know, just charging the building. And right when it got to our building, it just, dissipated you know and that's kind of what happened we went through this this challenge ironically uh Aetna had to go through a challenge because they they had the same uh carrier as we did for the eno and directors and all that, that insurance and liability insurance 
so we, we were on the witness stand testifying against them <laughs> for, uh, for their lack of uh, uh, disclosure to their carrier. So they didn't get, they didn't get compensated by their carrier because of that. So anyway, that's just one of the many stories, but the Lord, the Lord just led us through. And it really, it's about, I think Doug, it's about, sometimes it's just about the, the good Lord's all we got in times of crisis. We have each other, of course, but I'm talking about the, the, the faith that says, you know, father, it's in your hands. I, I, I can't do anymore. I, it's, and I believe God responds to that kind of faith. I, I think the Lord looks forward to, to rescuing us, honestly. Well, you, I think he looks forward to it. Well, it, uh, let's t- segue there for a second, because um, when people go into pioneering a work, if it's business or expanding a business or church, whatever we do, uh, the, the scripture says we should count the cost before we build. So right. these are things, the realities of life that when you, be, the more visible, the more successful you become, there's other issues that have to be dealt with. Ego, obviously pride, uh, all these other things, but also the challenges that you have vultures and others that would try to manipulate to try to keep you from your destination. But one Boy, of the you're, 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 you're painting a bad picture, Doug. If we can keep our eyes fixed on the Lord and know what our non-negotiable core values are, then when the right. difficulties come and shakings come, we have something to stand on. Yes. And yes. something I remember from all the years uh, knowing you and Paul and others and uh, the leadership at Insperity, that, uh, for example, uh, even during the economic downturn, and you had offices all over the country, uh, the, the, the Haitian earthquake happened. And of course, others, some of the people on this call, Mike May, somebody cares humble, and myself, and my wife, and others and our team were going in and out of Haiti. And, and we had a situation where we couldn't get in because it was such a blockade that they closed down Port-au-Prince Airport and only certain people can get in. And somehow you were able to, to work it out to get a crew of, of people that worked with me that were medical, medical uh, personnel, um, people that were over feeding programs, housing programs, uh, 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 chaplains, and actually were able to get us in and work out the flight course and everything and got us the pilots, the plane, and got us in and then waited for us over in Fort Lauderdale, I think, or somewhere back on Florida yeah. side. We're in Haiti yeah. and then came to pick us up when we were ready. And as we were going through making assessments and working with helping people there, but that was in the middle of an of a economic downturn that even your own company had been challenged by. But you saw that as a value to still take care of people, even in the midst of, of what you guys were going through as a company. And something else you said, because it's all about the people. You said that at the time when you were going through these difficulties, it was going to affect 50,000 of your employees at the time. And, uh, and so you were always thinking about that as a value. People are a value to you. And your company is about people. And when right. I was talking to you all and to Steve about um, about what happened uh, during COVID, the thing you were thinking about is the people. And even yeah. Paul in his his book is about the people. And so, how did you how did you come to this idea that people is a core value even in the difficulties? So when you went through the difficulties, you were able to maintain a uh, inertia and keep moving forward to keep the company alive for the people. Yeah, you know, the thing of the thing about these kind of look like you know bad times are really opportunities. They're opportunities to really show what you believe. 
And, uh, and I, I say it, you know, with a kind of a smile because, uh, you know, if you don't, if you don't behave properly during a disaster, uh, all the things that you did before, uh, aren't going to matter. And so you get a chance, you get a chance, an opportunity. And that's why, that's why I look at all these things There are opportunities to show your true values and really the values of Jesus Christ, the values that the biblical values that we, that we embrace and hold dear. And so when you talk about the aircraft going to Haiti, uh, that wasn't a tough decision. That, that was, I just, we just got together and just said, Hey, let's, let's let Doug have the plane. And, and, uh, and that's what we did. And in the same way, uh, when you understand in business that your people are everything, unless you're a small guy, if you just, you know, or sole proprietor, whatever by yourself, but without, without employees, you can't extend yourself. And the thing that makes a, a disparity, I think, stand out is that we get discretionary effort. See, when you have a business and people want to trade time for money, uh, that's one thing. And but when you have a business where your employees want, want to go extra, meaning they'll stay a little later, do this, or they'll go help somebody else in another department, or they go, all those things come out of trust. You have to build trust. And our employees trust the leadership and disparity because we've demonstrated time and time again uh, what we what they mean to us. Uh, you know, we when when the uh, the tax bill that passed, the Trump bill, you know, we we paid a, a big bonus out to all our employees. I think you remember that, Doug. And um, and in the downturn, we did some things uh, through COVID uh, that um, uh, we paid bonuses that were uh, un- not expected uh, because of all the extra effort that was going into to managing our, our clients' businesses for them. Um, there, we're, there's no book that you can pull off that says, oh, here's what you do during a pandemic. Oh, let's pull that guy off the shelf. You know, everything is on the fly. And our employees, Doug, I'm telling you, even my sales leadership, they just went out there and started doing things. They weren't waiting for the mothership to send signals. They were engaged. They were helping our clients. We were out, We were still selling business. We were bringing on clients. And it, it was truly humbling, even for our board, to see how uh, the effort that our people put forth, that, that was way beyond the call of duty, man. You know, there are people that had needs out there. And our, our folks showed up. And the way I describe it is that you know you'll get care from our people is because we care for them first. Well, here's what's interesting yeah. on the, the, the microcosm and the corporate side of this is because I watched you all live through this. And I, I've talked to Steve, you're the president of Insperity, and that in the midst of all of this, you had already created a fund for your employees for difficult times. If they went through difficulty, right. you have a fund for them to help your mm-hmm. own employees if they're going through floods or like Hurricane Harvey, if they're going through um, you know, some crisis of family loss or whatever. You're, you, have, you have set a system within your, your value system, your company, to help your employees. The other is that the question I had was, well, how are you, because ha- you t- you help, you do HR and help like many, many companies. And yeah. and the core of our nation really is small business and right. small to medium-sized business. It's not just the major corporations. And yet you represent thousands of these small businesses. And I said, well, how, when they're being affected the most in America, and that's really going to mess up the economy. And, uh, and yet, in the midst of that, because of the way you had the system set up, many, many, many of those you were working with were able to work through the process and the challenges of COVID. 
the big thing, the big thing for us, which, which is really gratifying is that, uh, you know, 70% of our clients that sought the PPP program, the payroll protection plan, uh, got it in the first round because of our effort, um, because the effort of our people, not, not my effort, but, but our people. And, um, nobody can say they could, that they, they could do that. And, and, um, uh, it took a lot of heavy lifting, I'll tell you, because those things, these rules are getting written on the fly. And um, and that's one of the things that we do for our clients is that uh, the government doesn't consider small business as much as they should when they when they pass legislation. Mm-hmm. And now legislation is passed. It's, it's so vague that it's left up to bureaucrats to come up with the rules. And they're they're lifetime bureaucrats. They're not they're not elected people. And we have to help, you know, kind of parts you know through that for them uh so they get it in an understandable format because you can't you know the acronyms for all the acts that a small business has to you know uh, be compliant with is off the chart i mean it's just unbelievable and uh so we kind of cut through that and help them focus on their business which is what they which is the reason they went into business see people go into business for various reasons you know independence you know all, all the things wealth financial security whatever but once they start their business, they get in the employer business. They weren't planning on getting in the employer business. And they're not, if they're, I've told people, I've told business owners, if you're really good at HR, I bet you're not going to be very good at growing your business. <laughs> because HR, we don't, we don't even like HR. We just, it just happens to be our business, right? But it's it's the bureaucracy that, that ties down small businesses where they can't grow to the extent that they feel like they should. And that's what we do for our clients. Um, but, you know, ultimately, Ultimately, it's, it's the giving back part. That's what you talked about with our fund, the Insperity Fund, where our employees go through some, you know, event, whether it's the, a spouse walking out or, or a flood. For example, the pipes freeze. You know, we've got people with, with ceilings fall in and there's a gap between their deductibles and their, you know, their insurance. And there's a, a time gap between the time that they get the money. So uh, that's when we step in. It's a fund that's actually funded by our employees, um, and you know it, it's there for them when they need it. Well, you know, so I, it goes back to even some, you know, even uh, Paul Chavati, your CEO, and he wrote a book I think called "Take Care of Your People," mm-hmm. and again that goes back to the value system of what makes Paul, you, Steve, and the other leadership and Insperity tick. And I remember. I think it was another major crisis and I can't remember which one it was. And I was walking in to get something to eat with our team. We were trying, we had our kind of command center, uh, incidents command, spiritual incidents command center. We're talking things We stopped to go get something to eat. And I remember getting a phone call from you and from Paul. And I don't know why I just lost it. I mean, I, I was trying to hold my composure, you know, my Asian culture said, you know, keep my composure. <laughs> and yeah. uh, we call it says, look, what's really going on? You know, we're hearing so many stories. Oh, I think it was Katrina. And, uh, and the next thing I know, yeah. you guys are yeah. saying, well, how, what can we do? And I said, look, the airport shut down. We need to get there. And you ended up helping That's right. us get, I remember uh, that. go to fly all over to check on everything. We even borrowed a helicopter once we got there and, and, and made sure we can make the assessments we needed so we can immediately help them all the way to Picayune, Mississippi, to New Orleans, to other parts of Louisiana and Mississippi. And it was largely because you, it was that little bit of encouragement, that, that cold water in the midst of a difficult time. And again, it's one of those things that you, I didn't initiate, because I know you get so many people knocking down your door, gimme, 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 my name is Jimmy, so to speak. So, I mean, I <laughs> want to protect our relationships. I'm not about just trying to get something, but yet 
you all took the initiative to contact me because we have the relational equity because you said something about building trust and and you know we can I heard it said that trust comes one drop at a time mm-hmm. but you lose trust like a bucket That's and right. so you can build years of relational equity and trust but one thing can destroy in, in a bucket all the drops of trust that you've received so right. It right. is stewarding trust too, isn't it? And so you guys have been very uh, committed to that. You've been committed to relational equities. And more than that, you've been committed to your relationship with the Lord that actually has become the demonstration of what you do in your value system, even for your employees and the companies that you represent. Well, the thing I think it's important is the consistency part. You know, that you've got to, because everyone's looking, they're looking to see, okay, is this real? I've had, I've had employees tell me, you know, over the years, you know, I was waiting for the other shoe to drop. This can't, this place can't be real. They can't, this, this is not corporate America the way everybody understands it. And so the, people are looking to see, is this consistent? I just, my five, my last message, I'm retiring in September. My last message to the sales force uh, just the other day, video message was around trust and about, first of all, we got the best service organization any, of any of our competition, hands down. Or we take care of our people. So we got that thing checked. Second thing is we have great sales leadership. You can trust them. They they're, they're have your best interests at heart. The third thing is leadership of the company you can trust. And so what's holding you back then? So what's the only thing that's keeping you being successful? You put one foot in the brake, one foot in the gas. Take your foot off the brake. Go ahead and go for it. You got everybody behind you pulling for you. So that's the key to me, to, for me, is the consistency to know that um, that we're there, you know, for our people, no matter what. And and again, back to the opportunity. When things happen, that you go, oh man, this is a tough decision. Like all you do is make the do the right thing, just do what's right. We, we do right things that cost us money, sometimes lots of money. But if your values are right, if your core is in place, you just go. Well, you don't even think about it twice, Doug. You don't go. You don't get into worry and fret. You just go, no, what's the right thing to do? The right thing to do is do this. So, and well, that's re- the opportunity. I remember times you had to make tough decisions where you had to literally uh, lay off 90 something of your employees across the country. And that was heartbreaking to you. At the same time, trying to have a backup plan on how to reincorporate them as able to survive. But but you were always thinking about the people and, and even um, even in losing personal and, and all your leadership losing personally, uh, you still kept those core values in place to get you through the difficult times. And and so I'm just and I've been watched even through COVID and everything else and, and all, all the challenges you've been through. And yet you've continued as a company and especially because the characteristics of the kingdom emanate from the character of the king. I learned from Dr. Evan Lewis Cole. And that's also, of course, King Jesus. But if you have that value system, then we can, as leaders of our churches, businesses, uh, whatever we lead and or how give oversight to or leadership to, stewardship to, then if we can do that, then those who work with us become the beneficiaries of that principle of the characteristics of the kingdom. And, And I've watched how, you know, and obviously all of you are individuals, human, have human frailties like all of us. We all have that. But if we have a, a value system in place, I think of Hobby Lobby, I think of, uh, of John Beckett, who will be with us in a couple of weeks in the Beckett Corporation and, and, uh, and just the, the value of his life and, and the value of, of other friends like a, a Chick-fil-A and others that, 
that there's a value system. So no matter what happens, you still have those values to right. lean on that you can right. then build from. You know, we're back during the crisis, we we talked among ourselves and, you know, and said, you know, we, we've been abused, all business owners are, uh, but it was really at the core value was we, our character, at the end of the day, all we have left is our integrity and our character. And integrity is a big one, man, because, you know, and, and, but get back into leadership because we're talking about people. There are times when you owe it to people to let them go. You know, when you, I, I run a high powered sales organization. You can't be high powered if you compromise on, on the performance. You, you, it won't happen. You'll, you'll just slowly denigrate down to the least producer. So, that's another, that's some people, it's a dichotomy, right? It kind of is a dichotomy. Oh, I'm so loving. I love everybody. I love everybody. Yeah, but, I, you know, if you don't work hard, I'm, I'm going to fire your, you know what? So um, it's, it, I don't think it's, I don't think it's disconnected. I think it's part of the integrity, part of our walk with Christ and excellence. We walk in excellence. And, we, you know, when we accept, if we start accepting mediocrity, we get mediocrity. And then, but the part of the thing we do that I think is important is that we try to bring the best out of people. See, I, I, I tell our district managers and our lead sales leadership, look, put, paint a mural of success and put that person in it and make it as vivid as you can for them so they can see themselves successful. That's the true leadership to me. Leadership is helping people become better than what they, th- what they could be. And then instilling in their minds the, the success principles uh, that lead to, you know, ultimate success. I've got folks that I hired. Matter of fact, the guy that runs my sales organization, I hired 25 years ago. It's a salesperson in Orlando. So um, it's, it's, to me, it's a calling, you know, that's really Doug. It's, it, it's and that, that's what we all want to get to. We all want to get to a point in our lives where, we, where we're self-actualized, where we're, you know, we, we feel significant because of the contributions that we're making. And then the God honors that because there's a sacrifice required, right? There's a sacrifice uh, in doing these things because it's not easy. Most people won't do it. You know, most people won't pay the price for the success they could have. And it's, in America, you can, in America, you can get by without, you know, striving hard and, and because it's, you know, we've got so many uh, blessings here, but I do believe that your, your faith in terms of your integrity and blessing people is also carries with it the responsibility. You know, Lou Holtz, the famous football uh, coach, you know, over the years, he, uh, he's been all these teams. This reporter had been following him around for, you know, 30 years. And he said, Coach, I can't believe it. I've watched your, your assistant coaches through all these years, and they're the most passionate people I've ever seen. How do you do that? And Lou goes, I get rid of the ones that aren't. Mm. It's that simple. You can't have people around you that without the same kind of calling and vision. And that's one of the principles of the law of attraction. We attract people like us who want to get ahead, want to do things, make a difference. Doug, you're a perfect example. When I think about the aircraft, giving a plane to Doug Stringer was easy because of your integrity, what you represent. Trust. It was easy. My admiration for you goes way beyond what I can describe. So thank you, Jake. You know, I was thinking about, you know, having you on today and of course, uh, John Beckett here in a couple of weeks. And I was looking over a booklet that was given to me by um, Derek Prince Ministries that we were giving out. And, and it reminded me of in May 20th, 20, uh, the May 20th, 2000, that I had the pleasure 
of being a keynote speaker, but the difficulty was at this gathering at the Humble Civic Center, or some would say humble, but we say humble in humble. That's right. The Humble Civic Center in May 20th of 2000, Derek Prince uh, was the speaker after me. It was so humbling because I'm thinking, what am I going to say before Derek Prince, (laughs) right? And uh, of course, Derek Prince uh, had a huge influence in in many of our lives and great Bible teacher. Um, But when he got up to speak after me, he just just said, kind of reiterating some of the things I said, he said, if I had to do it all over again, of all the successes, all the things he did around the world, and all the books and all the teachings and everything he was about and pioneering around the world, he said he would have come back and brought into all of his messages a key message based on what I said. And he came out with a booklet as a result of that mm-hmm. called Discover God's Heart for the Needy, Orphans, Widows, the Poor, and Oppressed. And that became a booklet that he's, they've given to me to give away. But I mm-hmm. thought, what a, a great honor to look back 21 years, nearly 21 years, right. and realize that something that we say, something we do, leaves an indelible imprint or impact in someone's life that they have the platform to make greater change. And, right. uh, and so I, was, I think of you, I think of uh, John Beckett, I think of others who your value system isn't just about, yes, you want to do everything in excellence. You want to create an opportunity for people to succeed. But ultimately, you've never disconnected your capacity to succeed with the need to expand the kingdom of God through tangible expressions of God's yeah. love. And that's very Amen. evident in y'all's life. And so I thank yeah. you for that. Yeah. I, I want to get personal for a second. Okay. And, uh, not that we haven't already talked personal things, but um, <laughs> yeah. uh, two things. One is that you've been married 45 years. Tell me a little bit about your personal story, because the part of our underlying theme this year is how have we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony? What, what was your personal place where Jesus invaded your world and changed your life? and set you on a trajectory that has brought you to where you are today, your personal yeah. story. Yeah, that was, that was uh, probably 1980. Um, I, I, got, I got saved back when I was a teenager, but I, of course, you know, believed the lie that you had to be perfect to be a Christian. And so Satan, you know, you know, took the seed before it had a chance to take root. Um, and so now we're, we're, we've got a house, we've got two kids, and, and, uh, uh, and Sally, you know, was staying at home. It's a long story how we got here, but, you know, I, I try to bar my way out of debt. A lot of people try to do that. It doesn't work very well. I think our, <laughs> so, our nation's trying to do that, right? Exactly right. It's pretty amazing how they think it's going to work out good. But, uh, and really, I just, it, you know, finally got, you know, another NSF charge, you know, insufficient fund charge from the bank. And and I just, I, I just literally in, in my bedroom, got on my knees and said, Lord, I give up. I give up. I, I, you know, I know how to work. I, I know how to work hard, but there was something I was missing. I was missing the Lord. And I got on my knees and accepted, rededicated my life to the Lord at that time. Um, Satan tried to come in and take it away. And I said, you know, look, I'm not going back. I've been there. I'm not going back again. And so it was a, it was a heartfelt, true uh, repentance and rededication. And the Lord led us on a path of getting out of debt. Um, uh, we lost our home. My wife drove her car back to the Ford Motor Credit. Uh, we went, we went, you know, full, full bankruptcy in terms of in terms of losing things. And uh, but she was faithful to me, and I can't talk much about it, but uh, about that. But and 
I just opened my mind up and just said, Lord, there's something I'm missing. I'm, I'm not understanding business the way I should. And I had to learn about I had to learn about what the words that come out of your mouth. What do you say? What do you say of yourself? Confessions that you make that that um, that are inappropriate. The, 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 I started. I, I was a three by five card guy. I mean, I wrote I had three by five cards everywhere with with scriptures on them and you know uh, encouragement. And I've read them all the time. And for the course of five years, we we did get out of debt and um, we were debt free and. Um, and I thought I was, I thought I was going to, you know, I'm thinking, Sally, I can go to seminary. I can do anything. I do anything God wants me to do, you know? And uh, even though I had a good job, we're doing well. And I was getting a little perplexed. And so I, we, at that time, we were trying transitioning from, from one church to another. And, um, and we heard about this, this little church over on Perry Road. Uh, you know, what I'm talking about. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, there was a person, a little bitty church at that time. Person was in the pulpit. It was an evening service. So the person in the pulpit that had never been in the pulpit before and had never was again. And pre- previous to this, we just been on a fasting weekend, me and Sally and our kids to just to God speak to us. What am I supposed to do? And we really didn't get anything. So we're now went out this, this church and we're this person in the pulpit. And he's talking about why go to work. You know, God is our provision and God needs people in business and business can be a bigger ministry than than being a pastor or being, you know. And so it was laser beam focused at me. It was was the message that I needed to hear at the time. And the person that was in in the pulpit was Paul Sarvati, the founder of of Insperity. And we developed a relationship in the nursery. We we visited the following Sunday in the nursery with Steve Arisby, with his his child. So you think the Lord didn't pull us all together. And there's never been, that I'm I'm aware of, a New York Stock Exchange company with the same four guys at the top for, you know, 27, 28 years. And um, so it really, the Lord was in it. And, but that, that brought me, you know, on a quest. I was committed to Jesus Christ of all my heart and God's, you know, way of honoring us is, is as I said earlier, blessing us. And, and he loves to bless us, Doug. He, he, God's just waiting for the opportunity to bless us. And uh, my goal now, my role now, what I'm doing in, in this life after insperity is, doing the same thing, going to bless as many people as I possibly can and mentor people and just try to make a difference in people's lives. Cause that's, that's my heart. Amen. So that was your, the, 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 so you and Sally then of course, through that difficult time, literally saw how the Lord took you through the word of your testimony and the, and, and overcome by the blood of the lamb, the word of your testimony through that time to where now you've been able to help so many people across this nation, around the world, and of course, you know, the thing. Board, but also, <laughs> you know, through the, the uh, how many, how many companies now does Insperity uh, represent? Over 10,000. 10, just the main, of, the, of our main product. We have 100,000 others that use the other services that we have. Uh, but I was reminded back, I was reminded back, you know, for a second, reminded back at that time, I was talking about, we started tithing in bankruptcy, right? <laughs> so, and uh, so it was really a little bit incongruent for the for the IRS gal that I was talking to, you know. And the, she said, "No, no, it's fine. I got a favor there. Even the favor with the you know the fine you can tithe." And and um, and, and so I, I many times I've been, have the opportunity to tell people that our our tithe now is ten times what I made back in nineteen eighty four or five. Wow! Wow! So. 
know, when people talk about tithing not working, you're, don't waste your breath on me, man. I, we're believers. We, I look for opportunities to sell. I look for opportunities to give. I look at, when someone when it presents itself, someone has a need. Okay, I'm there because I'm waiting for the I know the Lord's going to honor that back to me and sell you. The measure you give is the measure you get back, right? So you obviously, like many of us, you know, we shared in the past podcast that we've done and that there are those who would try to steal, borrow. Uh, they want credibility by association. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you've been taken advantage of. And yet keeping our hearts pure, even through the times we've been taken advantage of, we're taking the high road we talked about earlier, that, um, that it's important to keep our hearts clean. And so that's why every morning I pray in one of my two prayer times, I pray for a right spirit, a clean heart, and a sharp, stable, sound mind. And that comes from right. the prayer of, of course, Psalm 51 with King David. But I, I just want to make sure that no matter what, if I've been taken advantage of, if I want to take the high road because I, it's not for me to hold on to that because people go about their business after they've hurt us or taken right. advantage of us. Right. But yeah, like a friend of mine who had been in prison for a year after he became a Christian in Pakistan, he says, I could have gotten bitter rather than better. And the right. point is we can become bitter in life's journey rather than better if, if we're not careful to keep our perspective and releasing it to the Lord. You know, here's one of the things that, that I've learned over the years is that when something comes that you don't like, in whatever form that may be, and, and I go, okay, Lord, I'd, I'd, I'd like this to go away. I'd like this to be resolved, you know, and it doesn't get resolved and it doesn't go away. Then here's what I, I say. You know what? There must be something I'm supposed to learn through this. You know, when the, when the activist investors showed up, I was 60, 60 years old or 61. And and, uh, and I was talking to Paul. And I said, you know what? The Lord's not through with us yet, man. He's got another great challenge for us to handle. And uh, so I've got something I'm going to learn from this. And that's a different attitude than getting fearful and getting in, in you know, trepidation. And, and it's it demonstrates, I think, to the Lord that, that you really that we really believe in his faithfulness at the end of the day. Uh, and the other thing about people, you know, when they do things that you don't like, you know, but for the grace of God, go I. I mean, it, you know, I, I, I don't want to judge anybody because I don't want to be judged because I'm I'm perfectly capable of, of hurting someone's feelings all without any intention at all. I have to apologize to Sally all the time. I said, baby, trust me, I don't try to make you mad. I really, really don't. <laughs> it's just a, it's just a natural gift I have. I can't help it. You know? And uh, I have a lot of funny things I say to her. She doesn't like most of them when I say it. But, <laughs> but uh, it really it really is an opportunity when you have a challenge to, to bring out the best in yourself and see the goodness of God. Amen. Well, you know, that I, I moved right from there because, well, I actually have my wife puts up little signs where I said, happy wife, happy life. Uh, you will eat it and you will like it. So I go, yes, ma'am. <laughs> yes, ma'am. I learned right early on. But um, you wrote a book called Embracing the price of success. I love the main title. Then the subtitle goes, because the cost of failure is too high. So tell me right. a little bit what caused you to write that book and what that book is about. Yeah, that, that was, I was just trying to capture some, some, um, some wisdom that I gained over the years in terms of uh, the principles that are, I believe, you know, lead to success. See, people, success is a decision. You have to decide to become successful. And each person decides to define success. Uh, it, so it's not like it's a, a one deal kind of thing. But there are certain principles, I think, that, that exist that, that communicate um, those principles to the extent that they can lead people to, to greater prosperity. Because I think God wants us to prosper. I really believe that in my heart. 
And so I've, I've have comments like, you know, the, the world's a wash in money looking for a home. Why not your house? You know, and that's, that's, it's that simple, but you got to change. People have to change. And I, because I had, because I went from a wrong mindset, you know, to, to success, some level of success, um, I felt like it was good to get it down and write and get it, get it captured. And I use it when I have young men that I mentor. It's a great, great way to, to start because I have, have make comments or section in there for, you know, just things you learned and things you, you know, uh, I'll make them think, in other words, through this book. And uh, but that's what it's about, because, you know, when when you're when you're broke, here's the word you learn to say a lot. No, 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 no. No, you can't have that new clothes. No, you can't have the car. No, you can't have. No, no, no. I'm not giving to the church. No, I'm not giving to a charity. No, no, no. But that's too high a price. That's just too high a price to pay. Go ahead and pay the price for success, which means you're going to have to change. There's something about you that's going to have to change. You're going to have to study. You're going to have to learn. You're going to, have to and then you get to do this thing. Doug. You get to bless your family. You need to bless others. You get to say yes, 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 yes. And it's not, it is not a straight line. It's, it's kind of does one of these little hockey stick things. You know, you, you go along and you plot along and you learn and you learn and finally you get breakthroughs in life. And I, I think I describe life as kind of, a, you go from one plateau to the next, you hit a plateau and you're there for a while and you go, wait a minute, another mountain up there. And you go up to the next one, you go up to the next one. Um, but it's all about decision. But at the end of the day, it, you have to make a decision. And I think it's much easier as a Christian because you can believe God to take you through to it as opposed to someone just going to bull their way there and use tactics. The world of, you know, I'll use, I'll use Donald Trump example. He's a big bully. Now I love this. I love what he did for America, but to me, that's not, that doesn't represent Christianity in my view, but that's what the book's about. It's just, it's just kind of talking through in a very straightforward manner. I'm, I'm, I'm a very straight talker. As you know, Doug, I don't, I try to get to the point. Uh, and I'm not particularly flowery in my communication, but I am, I am sincere. I'll at least get some credit for that. So, Jay, I, I know personally individuals that you that in Sparity and, of course, you've leveraged all over the country that have gone on from when they were um, just out of high school or in college and began to work with you all. And, and you helped leverage. You said earlier that it was, there was times you have to know when to let people go. Mm -hmm. But yet you've given them platforms by which to excel. I remember one particular person, um, well, I won't get into the whole story because we're limited on time, but, but there was quite a few that I've known that have worked with Insperity or worked with y'all that you have leveraged. And then uh, they've moved on to finish their graduate work and all now working in major research for the U.S. government to traveling around the world and rescuing those in human trafficking to those who are now overseeing, uh, you know, whole food feeding programs. But these are people who actually for a season worked uh, with your company. Right. And, uh, and you saw the value of, of giving leverage and platform, but then know when to release them sure. for a greater purpose in their oh, life. So yeah, that's that's one of the best things I think is is when you can have somebody you know say thanks for all the great things you've done for me. I'm now moving on. Some of those are people you don't want to leave, don't want to, you, know, you don't want to lose them. But again, you go well, bless you on the way out the door. You know, and that's that's hopefully that's it works out good for them and you know as, as they expect it to. Does anybody have any uh, questions for Jay or comments? Um, I have a question. Um, thank you, Jay, for uh, sharing wisdom. I, I want to ask about the tapestry of uh, administrative and 
organizational principles and tools that has been with you through your life that you could like uh, recommend to somebody that's building from the beginning with a family to keep order and organization uh, with business and family? Could Is there like a secret tool or principle that you live yeah. by all those years? Yeah, I'll, t- I'll tell you one of the things that I had the blessing, another one of these blessing times, but during the, the time when we were broke and I was just trying to make ends meet, I would, uh, for two and a half years, I got up in the morning and threw a Houston Post, the paper. And then, then went to work full time and actually was going to night school. I don't know how the heck I did it. And I taught Sunday school on Sundays. It was crazy. But the benefit I got from that was listening to Focus on the Family from mm-hmm. 5 to 5.30 on KSBJ. And I basically got a, a PhD on uh, family relationships. And because and, because James Dobson was one of the best when it comes to that. He, he really is. And I, I would encourage you to get involved with Focus on the Family. They have great materials. Uh, they're, they are really, I think, the, the best at uh, yeah. family family life stuff. And that. so I had the benefit of, you know, listening to James Dobson for 30 minutes a day for two and a half years. Uh, so yeah, I tell you what, if you spend 30 minutes a day on a particular discipline, no matter what it is, in a matter of a few years, you'll be an expert. You'll, be, mm. you'll know more than anybody else. Just 30 minutes a day. I've, I've told many of our salespeople, most salespeople never read a book on sales. Well, I told my folks, you're going to read books on sales. And you're going to spend 30 minutes a day doing that and you'll become successful in your endeavor. So that's James Dobson, folks in the family. They're the best. That's that's awesome. We're big James Dobson family. My uh, kids, my wife would have the uh, focus on the family uh, things going in my kids' room and they grow up. Veggie tales. Veggie tales. Yeah. 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 (laughs) (laughs) My grandkids get those now. Yeah. Thank you. My well, pleasure. Jay, uh, Jay uh, uh, another friend of ours, uh, Christopher Daigle on the East Coast in New England, uh, said, um, if you have time, would you be willing to speak into how to balance between family, business, and marriage, how not to become so busy that you're not present with things that are important? Yeah, that's so difficult. You know, because as men particularly, uh, our ego needs are met through our work. I mean, it just it's just how it is. And, and, and it's easy for us to overlook uh, the part of where we're not getting a bunch of ego strokes from screaming kids or whatever. Uh, but I think it's, it's just, again, it's one of these things that's a decision, Doug. It, you know, one of, the, one of the other really attractive things about our company is it's a, it's a kind of an eight to five job. It's not a, we don't make folks work at nights and on weekends. And, and so we talk about work-life balance a lot in the company, but, you know, you don't, you don't, you don't live to work. It's a, you know, it's kind of a, a way of saying that you have to have balance. And, and when it gets out of balance, everybody knows it. Everybody knows when you're, you're not in balance and particularly your family uh, because they, they're begging for your time and they're, it's essential, particularly for fathers. And, and you've written about that, Doug, uh, who's your daddy now, that book, uh, what, what the men, men, fathers, in our children's lives are so critical. And um, uh, so I think it's just a decision uh, of making sure that you don't let yourself get so wrapped up into the ego stuff uh, that, that you can make sure you keep your focus on your family 
just like James Dobson's focus on the family, right? So it's not easy. I, I can tell you it's not easy. With the um I've watched how individuals like yourself understand how to work hard and play hard. It's the balance between work, leisure, and play. I remember my first year in uh, college that I had to do a paper on that, the balance between work, leisure, and play. But obviously leisure to one person can be work to someone else. But um, but learning how to put that balance and as you succeed working hard, you can actually have more leisure and play time with your family because right. you worked hard and invested in that. And we live in a generation where I think we need to get back to some of those work ethics, but at the same time, recognize that we can't be workaholics either. We have to be able to enjoy our family. Uh, Dr. Edwin Lewis Cole used to say that you cannot compensate by sacrifice what you've lost through disobedience. Yeah. And a lot of times we want to get back in a moment what we lost of not maintaining our relationships mm-hmm. with our family and friends. Yeah. And, uh, and I say in the old fitness business, because I used to be in the fitness business, that we, I would say that it's easier to maintain than to try to reobtain what you've lost. And so yes. I think for all of us, yeah. we have to know that balance, don't we? Well, I think, I think one of the things that's really critical is don't take yourself so freaking seriously, really. You know, we're 1.7.4 billion people. How important can we be? And, and just laugh. Just enjoy. Laugh. Just laugh. And that's one of the things I think that we really possess in leadership of the disparity. And, and these guys, these guys at, at, at the top here, we're all good friends. We're, we're you know, uh, we, we socialize together. And, and part of our social connection is, is be able to laugh at each other and laugh with each other and, um, and not take everything so darn seriously. Yeah. It just isn't that important. Yeah, Leonard Ravenhill used to tell me, he would say, Doug, always take God serious, but don't take yourself too serious. About no. That's a good one to remember. So I remind my wife of that when I, I'm trying to play jokes on her. She goes, Doug, what are you doing? I'm saying, well, Leonard Ravenhill told me. Oh, yeah. That ain't going to get it. That ain't going to get it. That, that ain't going to fly. We'll take one, one more question. Um, uh, Gideon Stanley, who owns Graysoft, a uh, software company here in the U.S. and abroad, he has a question. With employees, you mentioned about the concept of uh, getting rid of those that do not perform. What do you do with clients that seem to ask for more? How do you balance to satisfy yeah. the needs of clients versus saying no? How does yeah. your organization deal with this issue? Yeah, it's it. You know, part of that's that your it gets down to the profit. You know, is the company is this person profitable? Because there are clients that'll suck the life out of you. I mean, we we we've got them, but they they're never happy. They're always in need. They're always demanding. That's one of the reasons why you have to have a growth engine. If you if you're if you got a growth engine, you got a sales organization. It's a lot easier to tell somebody to go pound sand when they get you know they wear you out. Uh, so that's the first part. I would say make sure you have a sales organization, but also it's really knowing knowing where your break even point is and doing this w- without emotion. It doesn't have to be emotional. Is it? You just kind of tell sometimes we have to tell clients, you just can't play in our sandbox anymore. We still love you, but you just can't play with us anymore. You know, it's it's a hard concept. I've got a I got a recent example, we haven't got time, but of a company that did just what going through what you're going through, called out the ones that were sucking the life out of him. His profits went up big time, gave him more time to service other clients that were profitable. It's it's just the ability to, to know your business well enough to be able to say, this is not one. I've worked them. They're not profitable. Therefore, they have to go. And that would be true of even people in our lives who who are always taking up our time and then is taking us away from helping those who really have a need. And it's not that we don't care for everyone. It's just that we have to realize 
is this is this of a valuable is this my valuable time in helping this person who never seems to learn anything we've suggested right um, and and yet we have a string of other people who are trying to get help so we have to balance out the larger context and ultimately uh, I've got friends who we helped out that you know you 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 help them not to postpone the inevitable by saying no and when you say no you actually can help them more because they finally yes. look up and listen yeah so, you know when I mentor when I mentor a young man. And I gave him things to do and, and I, gave him, I gave him work, right? And I told him, if you don't do the work, I'm done. We're, we're over, you know? And so I said, you're not, you're not, you're not a child of mine. You, you know, I, that's just the price you're going to have to pay because you're going to have to do the work. If you don't do it, I'm done. We're not going to hang out together. So uh, just set the, set the rules up front. And that's the key. It's always about boundaries, Doug. You know, what are the rules of engagement? And uh, once everyone's clear on that, when you have to make t- difficult decisions, it's like, well, we talked about this. This shouldn't be, diff- this shouldn't be a, a tough thing, right? Now, we've been talking about this for a while. This is inevitable. This is what happens. So uh, that's a clear thing with customers, too. Well, I know this really spoke to a lot of people today, Jan. Business and in ministry have gone through some of the things you've gone through. And uh, I think it's a huge encouragement to so many. Um, I'm going to just ask you to continue to pray. For some, I believe we have a vacuum of godly and courageous leaders today uh, in church and in the marketplace. And so I believe it's important that we, instead of seeing so many leave and out of discouragement, that we pray for uh, leaders to be encouraged, get a renewed revelation of the work of the cross, the power of the resurrection, and a focus that God gives to help leverage and reach more people to advance the kingdom of God. So, Father, I thank you for those who are on today that it will truly minister to the hearts of people and encourage them and leverage them to seek after you first and foremost, that they too can overcome any any obstacle to become all that you want them to be and to be a part of advancing the purposes of the kingdom of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you'd like more information on transforming leadership calls like the one you just heard, you can go to somebodycares.org. A box is going to pop up. You enter your information, choose what content you'd like to receive from us, and we will make sure that you get the information on how to be a part of the next Transforming Leadership series. As always, we would love to pray for you. You can email prayer request to prayer at somebodycares.org. You can also call or text our 24-hour Somebody Cares America prayer line. Dial 855-459-CARE. Again, that's 855-459-CARE. We hope you enjoyed this episode of A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends and ask you to prayerfully consider supporting the ministry at somebodycares.org or by texting your donation amount to 805-422-7348. Please join us again for A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends.